Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Thank you for downloading this Horticulture Week podcast. For more podcasts, the latest breaking news and industry-leading analysis, please visit horticultureweek.co.uk. Welcome to the Horticulture Week inaugural podcast where we'll be discussing the most pressing issues and latest news in the world of professional horticulture. There is no shortage of topics to discuss as we come to the end of the 10th week of lockdown in the UK, which has had extreme and diverse impacts on the various horticultural trades. My name is Christina Taylor, I'm Horticulture Week's Digital Contact Manager and with me remotely is Editor Matthew Appleby, who has, I think it's fair to say, been working furiously over an overheated laptop over the last few weeks to unearth the important stories of the day. So Matt, how are you? Yeah, yeah, working furiously, good description. <laughs> Coming through loud and clear, that's good. Um, obviously, one of the most important stories of recent weeks has been the abrupt closing and opening of the garden centres and how this has affected ornamentals growers and other suppliers in turn. So what's the latest on this? Well, garden centres reopened in England on May the 13th, slightly different times in uh, Scotland, Ireland and Wales. Um we predicted that a few weeks before, um, but since then it's seen huge spikes in sales, uh, particularly in plants, compost, and now in barbecues. And in plants, it's meant that bedding has run out at a lot of garden centres and a lot of growers. It's very hard to predict demand, and because of the lockdown, there wasn't scope to plant new plants because people were thinking they were going to lose a load of money on them. And this has actually led to more Dutch supply. And this has been quite highly featured on in the media, in newspapers and on the radio. Um, and this has kind of done the opposite to what people were hoping post-Brexit, which was obviously to combat imports, um, to have some more grown in the UK. But um, it's gone the opposite way for this season. And um, that's not really been ideal for um, anybody in the industry. 
So is the fear that there's going to be a dependence on Dutch supplies to make up the shortfall this season, that will then persist after Brexit? I mean, obviously, we're coming up to the deadline at the end of the year. And um, this may sort of set a pattern for, for the future. Well, it could have an impact next year if some of the growers don't survive into next year because they've lost a lot of money this year. Um, you know, people look to Holland when there's shortfalls because in the Holland auction system, there's always products available if you're prepared to pay for it. Whereas in the UK, people are loyally supplying the retailers that they said they would supply at the prices they said they would supply them so they're not actually making any more money so um yeah it's a real struggle for seasonal growers this year and now we're moving into compost shortages because it's been a perfect storm in many ways it's great it's been sunny everyone's stuck at home people are much more engaged in their gardens and that could continue into next year many more people growing their own um but it does mean that there is some frustrations from consumers that the ranges and products aren't there that when they want them and that's actually been shown uh, in online sales which had a massive spike during the lockdown um, but now people have been waiting weeks and weeks for product from quite a few of the online sellers and that's been featured in in, in the newspapers and on the radio too in the last week that service levels have not been how, what consumers desire and, you know, that's a worry for the future because yeah. the garden retail industry is built on service. And horticulture doesn't normally get much media coverage, but it's been on um, featured on Radio 4 this week and you and yours. Yeah, there's been two on you and yours, uh, one on the online sellers and one on bedding. And uh, there's been absolutely tons of coverage of the bedding growers plight, the garden centres reopening, um, Heritage and Botanic Gardens opening. Uh, it's been non-stop actually for for weeks and weeks and weeks, and um, that has been great for the industry that people actually really have shown that they're caring about it. So the important thing is, I guess, are, you know, are the, are the ornamentals growers going to be able to survive this storm they've been living through? I mean, I guess they usually are having to deal with various challenges thrown up by pests and diseases and weather and so on. But this is something else, isn't it? Yeah. Well, the last big issue um, was a few years ago when there was very poor spring weather. And it means that overgeared big growers who have borrowed a lot struggle. Um, smaller growers that own their own premises and are very conservative about what they grow and who they supply, not quite as much of an issue. So, you know, the call for growers to expand post Brexit and um, grow more for the British market, you can see the risk there. And I can't see many people taking much of a risk for 2021. And how's the government responding to uh, the, the plight of the growers? It's interesting. They're keeping their cards pretty close to their chest. There's a written question asking Parliament this week. Um, and DEFRA just are saying there are bailouts um, as in terms of um, grants available. But the big bailout scheme, which has helped out Dutch growers a couple of months ago, 600 million euros, it's um, no closer in the UK the NFU and HGA are putting out another survey this week to growers to say what have they lost during lockdown. And that's yet again going back to DEFRA and to the Treasury saying, you know, growers need some cash to help them through. I mean, uh, uh, is there anything that growers can do? Is there anything they can do to help the lobbying of the government? Yeah, well, there's a questionnaire gone out from the HGA um, and they need to fill in the questionnaire it's confidential and say this is the situation that they're in and when you put the case to 
the government, you need the figures to back it up. So if, if they give the figures via HGA and NFU to back up their case, then possibly there'll be the same kind of bailouts that the dairy industry and charity industry and other industries have already got. The other questions are around the uh, gardens and landscape industry, um, which have also been receiving loads of TV coverage, particularly Chelsea Flower Show, which didn't take place, but it still got hours and hours of TV coverage until the Dominic Cummins affair, uh, when um, they um, they they cancelled, uh, suspended the coverage of the final Chelsea TV program for a week, and. Um, that got drew some criticism in the press, um, but in the end, um, they showed the highlights for the Chelsea program. But there are no other um, of those type of consumer events happening this year, um, online or otherwise, really. And the trade events aren't really happening as well. And there's a quite a few question marks about the ones which are still kind of penciled in, like Glee. Yeah. And that's led to a whole new way about how um, the uh, the trade is going to interact with its suppliers in the future so there were a lot of um, online meetings uh, video meetings um, and not much face-to-face which the industry has thrived on in the past well yes I mean and you know we've, we've often found this that, that, that horticulturalists value that face-to-face you know whether it's selling machinery or or making contacts um, they they want to do it you know in the flesh um, so they're going to have to do, you know, adapt as we are to the virtual world and do it all over Zoom, I suppose. Well, yeah. I mean, I've spoken to quite a few growers in the last few weeks, and uh, they value the sort of, you know, as family businesses, they value their interaction and connections with their customers. Some of them don't have sales reps on the road, and even if they do have sales reps on the road, the way the sales reps will operate in the future could well be different. I mean, who wants to drive two hours for a half-hour meeting and then drive back when you can just do it on video? And you know, mm. this could be a long-term change. So maybe then the suppliers are going to get more adept at making demo videos of their products and doing it that way. Exactly. I think that's definitely going to happen, that people are going to have to promote their products um, by a video rather than, you know, actually sort of touching and feeling them. And any other issues of the week, like uh, the... Heritage and Botanic Gardens opening. You yeah, mentioned that was an issue. Yeah, it came out of the blue um, a little while ago that the government announced it, and some people suggested that they should never have really been forced to close anyway. And the legislation that came in to close them down was in fact aimed at theme parks like Alton Towers rather than um, Heritage and Botanic Gardens, which can much more easily manage their numbers um, yeah. and social distancing. So they were shut for a long time. They've lost loads of money and they're still going to um, struggle financially because they can't open their cafes or their shops properly yet. Um, yeah. But the RHS, National Trust, uh, Q, many more have opened um, end of May, start of June. So at least they're back on the road. And that takes some of the pressure off parks because parks are now, you're allowed to meet up in them in small groups. But that's... Um, been a bit of an issue for some park keepers because of the amount of rubbish being left there uh, loads of barbecues happening there and um, they're on reduced staff so it's quite hard to manage that 
Well, I guess with every, all the cafes being shut, people are bringing their own food a lot more than they otherwise would, and uh, it's causing a litter problem, isn't it? Well, that's a real, it's a really interesting one, actually. I was talking to a barbecue manufacturer this week, and he said, you know, perfect storm for barbecues. Everyone's staying at home. You can't go to a restaurant. Um, <laughs> it's, it's hot. You're only allowed to meet people in your garden, so absolutely everybody's having a barbecue. And... Um, <laughs> barbecues are selling out who'd have thought that um, when the lockdown started when the garden centers said we've just had a delivery of hundreds of barbecues and we, it's going to be impossible to sell them <laughs> so some big ticket items are, are selling like hotcakes i mean i guess there's always winners and losers in these situations aren't there well yeah i mean the industry has shown a lot of resilience and has come come back strongly in the second half of may and Considering what it was like a month before that, most people are now saying they're going to survive. And, um, you know, that's testament to the way the industry adapts um, because it's gone online, um, it's gone home delivery, it's gone and click and collect. And now well, now they've opened, they've uh, opened in a health, you know, health and safety wise in a safe manner. And um, they've got the trust of their customers, the pent up demand, and, um, you know, things are looking brighter. And there's also a hope from in some quarters that the season may be extended, as you say, pent up demand, but also just people catching up and, and growing for longer and maybe choosing plants for later in the season. No, definitely. Yeah. I mean, traditionally, things drop off a cliff post the second bank holiday, post Chelsea Flower Show. Yeah. You get into sort of Wimbledon tennis, which isn't happening this year. Um, and gardening stops. It gets too hot. But this year, everyone's saying we're going to get a garden in June, maybe even a garden in July, and then it'll start again in September because there'll still be that pent-up demand. People still want to grow their own. And um, there's more people who are now interested in gardening than there were. So it, the whole season has completely changed and it made it impossible to predict supply and demand. And also, there's no one's going anywhere. I mean, I think people's holidays are going to be curtailed by the look of it, and a lot of people are going to be hanging around all summer. So I guess that will help sustain the, the gardening trend. Yeah, definitely. Staycations yeah. are the only thing you can really do. Um, you can't really get in or get out of the country, which is an issue around uh, labour for picking crops, particularly in ornamentals. But um, in the retail market, it means that people will possibly even though there's big worries about um, redundancies and unemployment people won't be spending cash on foreign holidays foreign holiday prices are going to go up because flights will go be more expensive hotels which can't fill will put their prices up um, yeah. possibly and um, people will stay at home and they'll stay in their gardens more and people who want to social distance and uh, will stay in their gardens more anyway so you know Gardens have massively risen up the agenda and the potential of gardens now, everyone who's got a garden is using them, whereas in the past, maybe half the people who had a garden was using it. So it shows what the potential of UK gardening industry could be. Just to pick up on something you said before, I mean, the issue of, of people being able to come in and out of the country, there's been a lot of questions about getting enough labour to pick the crops and also the new quarantine rules coming in. Um, how's that panning out at the moment? Yeah, it's 8th, 8th of June. There's an exemption um, for pickers of edible crops, which is a great thing, but there isn't an exemption for ornamental um, workers. And I've spoken to some growers, and because they're having difficulties getting staff back off furlough, um, 
you know, some of them are working on a third of what their workforce would be. Um, and they're flat out as well because the demand for plants is absolutely massive. Um, so some of them are having to have a pause to try and sort sort out their nurseries so they can start delivering again or just catch up with deliveries. Yeah. And it's the same as what happened with um, online a month ago. You got an absolute surge of orders and then you can't meet them very easily. Yes. So is there any movement on that? Is there any sense that the, you know, the HTA are having dialogue with the government to to sort this out uh it's an nfu thing really and okay. you know i i think possibly it's just something they got missed out when they were asking for this um exemption or the government decided that it wasn't important um so the nfu is constantly in dialogue with government and they were talking about it yesterday um i mean it's not such a big issue for the ornamental industry to have seasonal um overseas workers as it is for the fresh produce industry, which you know, urgently needs products picked, such as you know, now we're into the strawberry season, the cherry season, and then moving on, you know, into the autumn and the apple season. Um, it's going to be difficult um, in the autumn. There's been a, a big recruitment campaign to get British pickers in who have been furloughed or are students. But if people are going back to work and students are going back to college, the autumn might be a bit of an issue around workers as well. Um, so yeah, workers is is a, is a massive question mark, as are so many other things for later mm. this year and next year. But I suppose that also what is seems to be coming through now is that people will start being coming off furlough and more people being made redundant. So possibly there may be a, a floating labour force, potential labour force available. Who knows? Yeah, and it's one of those things where if if people come back off furlough if they go back to work then obviously that's a good thing but they're not going to be able to do these picking jobs but if if they get made redundant then yeah those picking jobs are definitely there all right so thanks for that matt great talking to you um hope you're enjoying your barbecue in your own back garden there yeah definitely had more barbecues this year already than the whole of last year what about you? I haven't had any, actually. No. Why not? I, I overdid it on the halloumi last year, and I, I just haven't been able to recover since then. Well, this is the first of, hopefully, uh, a whole series of podcasts that we'll be making to keep you abreast of the important news of the day. And hope you've enjoyed it, and tune in again for the next one. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.